and welcome to Albright Out Loud, a podcast about the innovative, creative, and inspiring stories of the people at the heart of Albright College's vibrant community. I'm Jackie Fetro, president of Albright College, coming to you from the Center for the Arts on our beautiful campus here in Reading, Pennsylvania. We're here to bring you some of the extraordinary experiences happening at Albright College and the positive impact those experiences have for our students, our campus, and beyond our campus borders. Today we're going to talk about student-driven research projects and how this particular project can affect the health and well-being of high school students everywhere. So I'd like to welcome today's two guests. First, Barbara Grimm. 2018 graduate of Albright School of Professional Studies. Barb graduated with a degree in applied psychology. She is founder of School Responder, a mobile phone app that manages customized, private, rapid response support for students who need mental health, wellness, or safety assistance. Prior to founding this app, she worked in education for 15 years and served as a 911 dispatcher, coordinating emergency services for people in crisis. Barb, welcome. Thank you for having me. And also joining us today, I'm pleased to welcome Albright College Assistant Professor of Applied Psychology, Lisa Hain. Lisa serves as the chair of our School of Professional Studies Applied Psychology program and is director of our new Masters of Science program in Applied Psychology. Dr. Hain is a Pennsylvania licensed psychologist and professional counselor, a nationally certified school psychologist. She earned her PhD in psychology from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, and she has specialty training in neuropsychology and cognitive behavior therapy. She is interested in how technology, perfect for today, can promote teaching, learning, and support emotional health. Welcome to both of you, Barb and Lisa. So pleased to have you here today to talk about, Barb, your experience at Albright College and how your work with um, in Lisa's class led you to founding a company, which I think is super cool. Let's just start a little bit with some background. So, Barb, you worked as a 911 emergency dispatcher, and then you worked in education. Talk to us a little bit about those experiences and how they led to your path at Albright College. I didn't realize until I really um, got further along my career how much that dispatching was going to add into my life in the educational framework. Um, Where it all started to gel together was working with students and having them come into my office and being in need, being um, needs of services for a guidance counselor or the psychologist or just needing to talk. And when looking at how things were escalating in the time that I had been there, I decided that um, with the 911 background that this would be a way that we could certainly help the students because that's what I did before. I helped people in the community who needed help right away. And that's what your app does today, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Um, I want to ask Lisa next. Albright School of Professional Studies empowers busy adults to earn degrees and professional certificates. Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about the SPS program in applied psychology and how um, you involve students in the work of that course? Well, the School of Professional Studies is really about 
um, working with the adult and that adult busy schedule. So our classes were held in the evening, but that didn't mean that the experience was different. It, it was unique and an innovative experience because students brought their work experiences with them. And we as the professors really tried to find ways that that experience could propel them into a research project and then actually apply it into the real world because adults are not here to sort of just get engaged in something, right? They want to be able to use it. And Barb had such great energy and had such a great plan. So it was very easy to try to get her um, on a path of creation and for something that actually can give back then to the community, which is really the goal of the School of Professional Studies. I love that, the giving back to the community and helping our students to to apply what they learn into the real world, the, the, those experiences that matter. Lisa, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Did you know that about Albright School of Professional Studies or what attracted you to our program of applied psychology? It was many factors, and I was um, fortunate to have a friend in the name of Dr. Hilary Aquino. He was also a professor here, and so I started talking to her about what the college had to offer, and I looked at other uh, programs, and I just thought it it hit all the right buttons. It was in the evening. It was from um, a college that I felt had a wonderful reputation, and it could take me in in a pace that worked for me being a working person at the time. So it was a well-suited program. That pacing really matters when you're a working adult, doesn't it? It most definitely does. <laughs> and Lisa, I know that you, the professors in the School of Professional Studies have worked very hard to, to help make the schedules work for the working adults. That is true. And, you know, it's accelerated. It's five weeks. Um and the cohort approach was helpful then, though, because they actually became a family. And so each week it was sort of like hanging out, right? Yeah, Learning absolutely. at the same time, but at the same time really feeling a part of something big and being a part of Albright. So that was really a uh, key, too. That's really great. And Lisa, we talked at, um, before, as part of most SPS majors, including applied psychology, students are required to do applied research um, in which, you, as you said, the students learn to apply what they're learning to real world problems and questions. Can you tell us a little bit about the requirements for applied research in the applied psychology program, what you look for, what students are required to do? Right. We don't cut any corners. And I think Barb could attest to that. Um, so we have two courses that prepare them for that. So a course in research methodology, and then a course in statistics, which, you know, um, can be tough, but, but we get them through that. Because again, we give it that personal touch and make it meaningful to what they're going to do. After they successfully get through those courses, they then enter applied project one, which is where they create their proposal, they have to go through IRB. I mean, this is a real formalized project. Um, after getting IRB approval, they then carry out their study essentially independently. I mean, we're there as the faculty sponsor and supervisor, but really the student is, is left out on their own to sort of go out there and do it, get their data. Then the second part of the project is bringing it all together. So we come back, we do results, we run those statistics, we do our discussion and interpretation, um, and then the students, it's like their capstone. So after that great success, they can then go off and graduate. Um, and a lot of them have really good stories like Barb's. Oh, that's that's really terrific. The the to me, it sounds like the research methodology methodologies course and the statistics course would be big hurdles. How did you find those courses? 
Wow, they were hurdles. They definitely were. Um, it's it's one thing to to read um, other research. It's another thing to realize what all you have to do to get to that end goal. But it has served me well because I don't know whether I've even told uh, Dr. Hain this is the fact that. Um, I'm actually going to be applying shortly for a small business innovation research loan through the National Institute of Mental Health. So I've had to, you know, make sure my RB approvals are all in, in, you know, place that I recognize what data I'm going to have to be looking at. It totally prepared me for what I'm doing now, because without it, I don't know how I'd, I'd get through that process. Yeah, you, you can't go to the National Institutes of Health without IRB. So for our listeners, IRB is Institutional Review Board. And Lisa, do you want to tell us a little bit about what IRB is all about and why it's required by the government? Right. It's really to protect our human subjects or human participants. So Albright has their own IRB. And as part of that process, we have to submit a proposal that gets reviewed by this committee. And then they tell us whether or not the risks and the benefits are worth the, the, the going forward with it. Um, and it's, it's a scary project. I mean, even that part, because you have to have a very good overview of your, of your project. You have to let us know exactly what the steps of your procedure are. We have to know your informed consents and, and how you're keeping things anonymous. So students are really getting into that process. And it's a lot of new stuff. It's novel. So it comes with a little bit of trepidation. Um, but again, what I've heard most coming out of this program is how they felt afterwards. It was like, wow, it was hard when we were going through it. But like you said earlier, Barb, it really is um, something that can take you on to new endeavors. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And and it, it just IRB all about the protection of the human subjects, what you said, Lisa. And that matters so much for so many things that we do. Well, congratulations on working to submit an SBIR. Those are those are not easy to get. I I, I wish you um, luck and hope. I'll keep my fingers crossed for Thank you. Thank you. I'll keep you posted. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> so, when students do these applied research projects, do they design their own projects? Yeah, I'll talk about this in in. Barb specific case, because she came to me really early. And what we try to do also is get the student thinking about that from day one. So hey, do all of your research papers on the the topic that you enjoy and that you can really dive deep into, and it becomes a part of you. And I, I think you can attest that we say you will live with this <laughs> for quite a long time. <laughs> so you better like what you're doing. Um, and so we she came to me really early with this idea of working in schools. And since I was a school psychologist, I knew exactly where she was coming from from. And we really had an interest in looking at teachers and wondering how would teachers react to some kind of app. And we also looked to see whether the technology would be new. So we looked to see whether older adults, uh, older teachers or younger teachers would be more apt to implement it. And then we also looked to see between settings, right, between special education settings and general education settings to look to see if there were um, any differences there. So it was really about just getting her going because she kind of independent. She just sort of did it on her own and and had the, the good graces of her school district to help her out with data collection. So that was great, too. Yeah, I was I was pleased the school could help me out because I wanted the biggest thing is 
is if you're going to go forward and do a project like this, where you're going to be working in schools, which is the end result, I needed to know how staff would react. You know, I needed to know what needed... yeah, very important. What would I have to maybe change as I went forward as I was building the project? So it was truly um, very important to to what I'm doing now. I I really really like that. And Lisa said you came forward early because you you said Lisa that you you get the students engaged in thinking about research early, and you said that Barb came forward early. So so Barb, what? sparked your interest how did was this idea conceived well it was it was truly watching the students um in between being a 911 dispatcher i worked in business had my daughter and then i ended up volunteering at the school and then i ended up working at the school and i didn't realize in the educational setting what all was going on with students and it just touched me um quite deeply. And it was very um, illuminating to realize what was going on with many students and how it was progressively getting worse. So I came from that and I thought, how can I do? And I started thinking back to, we need to get people together quicker. How can we do that? I pulled back on on um, the dispatching part of, of connecting people. It was all about communications and connection. And that was the, the basis from where I went forward. Wow. So you almost had the idea before you even came in. <laughs> Sounds like. So 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 for those of you those of our listeners who haven't used your app School Responder, can you tell us a little bit about it and what it does? Yeah. Um it's a very simple app. Uh I, when you someone's in crisis, you you tend to shut down to a certain degree. So I had to make it simple, but I had to make it effective so on the back end I can get some data so the school can know how to help the students. So a student can do two things. They can check in or they can give a tip. And it's a very secure communication system that is that is confidential between the student and the staff. And so when a student does a check-in about themselves, uh, the school can determine, uh, can customize what all is up there. Is it bullying? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it something to do with COVID? And then they can put it on Likert scale 1 to 10. And then we have a lot of data. And then for um, other students, if, if they can't see the word, when they're panicked, I have an emoji there. So there's something that would help them, you know, scale it. The face gets bigger when it gets to 10. And then on the tip side, they can do that for another student. Students really care about one another. And it's touching to see that as well. So what they can do is they can say, hey, did you know that someone became homeless or someone needs food? And they can push a little button that said they'd like to keep it confidential or secret. Because I understand that they're trying to help. And then they can scale how big it is the same thing. They can add more information if they'd like, but as soon as they hit it, and then that information goes to the person it's it's designed to to go to on the first call. And so it's it's pretty simple on the student side. That sounds like an amazing app. Do students really use it to provide tips? Does it does it help school districts? Yes, absolutely it does. Um, one of the guidance counselors in the school where we were working told us that in fact they would never have heard from some students but for the app because they students don't talk, you know, through through anything but their thumbs for the most part anymore. I, I don't mean that, you know, in a disrespectful tone, but that's how they communicate. It's different from when we were 
kids and we picked up the phone. That's their communication tool. It's just a different style. And so they have, and they have said, hey, this is going on with Bobby or Susie. And um, it's been a real help. I think that is simply amazing. Lisa, you wanted to add there. Yeah, if I could, because I think what I wanted to touch upon is the idea that it is a hidden thing. So one in five children in the United States have an identifiable DSM-5 disorder. And we don't know them. You line up 10, 15, 20 kids, you're going to have a handful of those that have some kind of problem. And those with the internalizing disorders, the anxiety, the depression, we're not going to see that. It's really going to go by the wayside for most of us, unless you're trained to really observe those clinical signs. And so I think the app does that, gives the students an ability to get out of themselves without maybe having to go to that adult first, but give them some way to communicate how they're feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that can happen uh, if a student does um, reach out either via tip or the chat, if the staff member needs to to talk with them immediately, there's a chat feature that is in the app where the staff member can speak to the student right away and say, hey, do you need to talk now? Do you want to meet at the office? You know, do do you need me to come and get you? So that way they're having immediate contact. So, so for schools who use this, do they have do they keep it staffed then twenty four hours? Is somebody assigned to it? It's it's up to the school. We can actually um, shut it down at the end of the school day because no one's on call at the end of the school day. However, it is set up so um, that notification will come through during school hours. So the next day, they would know. They wouldn't know. But, you know, depending on the school, this is why I made it flexible. Let's say you're at a boarding school and there's someone on staff, then they can go ahead and they can definitely have it available 24-7. That flexibility, I think that would be really important for the schools. Definitely. Lisa, I want to go for our listeners. I want to go back to something you said because you you had a statistic about one in so many kids had a DSM-5. Can you describe the DSM categories and what that means and, and, and share a little bit about that? Well, the DSM is our Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders in the fifth edition and just had a new text revision because it's always changing. Um, but it does classify a whole bunch of neurodevelopmental disorders. And those are the disorders that most likely affect children and youth in our schools. Um, and they can range from all autism to ADHD to traumatic brain injuries, but all the way down to anxiety, generalized anxieties, phobias, depression, um, and all of those are severe. So if, if a child can be diagnosed with that, that means it's impacting upon their daily life in some way, social, occupational, vocational, at school, home, social relationships. And like I said, it can go unnoticed um, if it's not brought to the attention of someone. And especially during COVID, I hate to bring that into this conversation, but we've seen escalations in that. We've seen our young um, folks really struggling with some mental health concerns. And so it's this innovative ideas like Barb has that we are trying to be really creative in meeting these needs. You don't hesitate to bring COVID in because you are so right. The needs of our students, both their physical and their mental health needs, have just increased from the last couple of years. It it totally has. And and the other thing we did with with our app is not only can it be put on a a student's phone if if that's what they would like and the parents would like that, is it's made to also go on the student Chromebooks. And that's to equalize because we can also go K through 12. And so the younger students, the staff can, can go ahead and report for them. The older students, if they either don't have a phone or they're in a situation at home where they need to be secretive about what's going on at home for for 
you know, so they are not harmed. They can go ahead and they can submit that through, you know, uh, the website that's on the school app and they can go ahead and reach out because I didn't want to miss anyone in that scenario as well. I can imagine, I can imagine, Barb, that your 911 experience, your emergency dispatch experience played into this because it allowed you to maybe understand the breadth of what you might need to respond to. It, it did. I learned a lot uh, back then. I was a tad younger then, and it was eye-opening what all goes on in, in the lives of so many people when, when you're in your own family environment and only around certain people. It was very eye-opening to see what was going on, just like going into the educational setting became very eye-opening. And that's why um, I think the uh, experience being a dispatcher totally helped with what I'm doing today. So played Beside, into, your, into your research and to your company. Exactly, exactly. It really, it really gelled together. And, and I am truly thankful for the program that, that I, I took here through Albright. I am eternally grateful. And, and the leadership that I had uh, with Lisa was just amazing because she knew what I had up my sleeve and she <laughs> guided me and would, would help send me in the right direction when I needed to be guided. Yeah. And I think what's great about it too, is that, you know, we have so many negative issues with social media today, right? So a lot of my research looks at that um, bullying on Facebook and different um, outlets like that. So this is like a really good way, a proactive way for students to understand how to use technology in a really helpful way. In a positive way. Right. That's really great. That's great. And they do have the opportunity to say, I'm fantastic. I'm having a great day because it's not all about being negative. We have to support when that child is getting better and they can start saying, I'm having a good day today. And that's what it's all about. They can report back. Yeah. Yeah. The the update, how am I today? Yeah, exactly. I think that's awesome. (laughs) One of the fascinating things about this project, I think, is Lisa, as a professor, you didn't just say this is applied research. But Barb, you actually took it into the real world. You you became an entrepreneur and you took it in the real world and you went with it. Um, and I'm interested, building, launching and supporting an app really requires being an entrepreneur and a business person. Can you tell us a little bit about that story of, of that journey for you and a little bit about your, your business and how you eventually launched the app for real? Wow, it was quite the journey. I didn't realize how much it would take. You never do going in. Um, I did work in business for a while. Fortunately, my co-founder and partner um, has helped develop apps, and he has quite a bit of background and could help with all the program writing, etc. And, and I would have what in my mind, what I wanted, and then he would make it happen. And so that was very interesting. I learned how to pitch to investors. I've never done that before. That was a learning experience. Um, it's, it has, um, I'm making PowerPoints all the time for um, various entities that I'm engaging with. Um, we've been fortunate in that uh, we recently got an Ed Start grant from Amazon Web Services. Oh, that's great. Which is fantastic. Um, it really makes me feel like things are going going well, but it has been a real journey becoming an entrepreneur and just not walking in for the day and saying, I need to do X because I work 24 seven some days. Oh, yeah. As, as an entrepreneur, you do. <laughs> yes, you and do. that part of, of, of the pitch, um, when I was in the business world, we called it the dog and pony show. It's yes. a really important part of being an entrepreneur and it takes a lot of time. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. You learn how to also uh, think on your feet. You have to, and you have to know what you're talking about. Um, 
I have done so much research through my project that I learned so much about what was out there ahead of time. I could look at the different types of telepsychology that was being put out there. And that was all done while I led up to my final research project so that when I did step off, I was already working on my app. Actually, going through the program, I was doing, you know, the research and development in that end. So, Oh, that's that's amazing. So, Lisa, I want to know, <laughs> when did Barb start talking to you about her moving her research into the real world? Well, that's why I think we started talking about this earlier, about how she wanted right from the get-go, right? And it was, hey, Barb, you know, really, let's give it some teeth, right? Let's look at the research. Let's see what the research says. Let us inform us. And let it take us from there. So she did. I had to had to cool her down just a bit. I didn't want to because she really, like I said, has a lot of energy and could go in a lot of di- different directions. Um, but yeah, once she really got settled down into that and then really truly understood how this process works and how research informs practice and research informs business, um, and you can see where she is today. So she just flew with it. There's a really important piece of that I think that I want to bring out because you were very enthusiastic and most entrepreneurs are really, really enthusiastic. But yet you are working the classroom and your partnership with Lisa as a professor allowed her to help you bring in the real background research, which ultimately will help your company and your app be more successful, I think. Is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had to know what, what was out there because I wanted to make sure that I adjusted what was going to happen with it app and how it would function with the data coming out on the back end so we could see you know what was going on with students so I also wanted to see what what was successful be and I was also looking at the age groups of the students and um, we did start out that, at just going to high schools because we were like you know they're older and this and that it was when we went to another school district out in the midwest when they went well, we want K through 12. And I went, oh, didn't see that coming. Thank- thankfully, I have school responder URL as well. And so, you know, you adjust. Um, but then, you know, I also looked at the younger students. And so I felt comfortable going forward. And also, um, we now started Campus Responder. So we are looking at colleges and universities yes. now, uh, since we have tested it at the high school setting. So it's... Um, it's out there ready to roll. I think that is really, really um, fabulous. And I think the partnership between the student who's an entrepreneur and the professor who, who helps provide a little framework is a really, really important one. We touched on this a little bit earlier, the pandemic and how much more our students have to deal with and how that's impacting them. And, and, and so I'm wondering, have you seen the data in the app um, evolve as we have moved through and in, and beyond the pandemic? Well, from the data that I have, and, and we keep it all PII compliant, so basically what define, that... Define PII? PII. I cannot think of the words for the acronym right now, <laughs> but I will, I will say that uh, basically all the... Uh, information is anonymous. Even when the report comes out, it doesn't identify the school. It does not identify the student, uh, but it will identify um, what has been, let's say, bullying. Let's say you can do it within a certain time frame. In the month of, of May, there were so many 
bullying cases that went down and then the levels come in one through 10 and we can see how that is trending and then the data with if you can compare it school to school you can do that as well and we made it so it could go broader even by county by state and it even can compare state to state once even more schools get it in the system (laughs) i i i think that's valuable um for for us as we learn and think about how to help our students to get through this challenging time. It has been it has been really challenging. Uh, my last year um, in the school setting was uh, the first year of COVID. And um, I can I can tell you that it was it was very hard. Um, I, I left because the business was getting so busy, but it just um, really fueled me to, to get this out there quicker and faster and um, I can honestly say that what I'm hearing from my friends in the school setting now and you see here on campus, it has only gotten worse. And students that normally wouldn't have had problems before are, and it's even starting at the elementary, K K through three. It's really starting to escalate all the way up. So the other thing I want to do with the app, and excuse me for for, for going on here, is I want, I want to be able to get the data from the students that are young, that are starting out now, so we can help them get through their education settings so they can come out and be productive individuals. And and they're going to need the supports the whole way through because a lot of these kids don't know a regular school year anymore. I'm hearing that it has actually gotten lost on them and they're having a hard time in the day-to-day settings anymore. I think that's really great. I, I'm, I'm really just, it's just amazing to see how excited you are about your school responder app, Barb. And I think that is really just amazing. There's clearly a good one-on-one, even though you're a professor and a student, there's clearly a good interaction between the two of you. Talk a little bit about that interaction and how that played into the success of this research project turn company. I'll start. (laughs) Um, We had such a close cohort approach in the applied psychology program. So Barb was in a group of four girls, four ladies. And um, and so it was really like a, a close-knit learning experience. And I think it really did allow that one-to-one um, association. There's a lot more. of, yeah, there's a lot of open communication. You know, one of the other um, ladies that was in the cohort would say, well, you know, did you think about this or, eh? you know, it was very, very good with the feedback from you and from everyone else. And yeah, we just, we just got along. We just kind of, you kind of knew where I was heading and you helped foster that. And, and, I- and Barb kept in touch, which, you know, a lot of students do. And I don't know if we've noticed or talked about this, but Barb actually was our speaker um, for her graduating class because we we, we saw her entrepreneurial spirit and her ability to really kind of warm the, the room. Um, but she kept in touch and all along her way of her, her, her app, I would get emails. Hey, Lisa, this is going on. Can you do this? Can you do that? And I just cheered her on. Like, um, it's really about hortagogy, if you guys understand what that is. But it's really like being, and I kind of coined this, the teacher on the bleacher and saying, hey, you are self-determined and you are going to do this. And I am there to support you all along the way. And, and that's what we did. And we tried to get together for dinners and lunches and we're just too busy <laughs> to get it going. So we thank you for bringing us together today. <laughs> well, I think that's great. It has been. And, and I felt very comfortable going going back to her and saying, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I've created. You know, what are your thoughts? What do you have to say about this? So she has. She has been my cheerleader post, post-graduation, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I, I consider you a friend. <laughs> 
Ditto. <laughs> I think that is awesome. So your app, School Responder, is in a number of schools, but I understand there's some grant support that might be available to help school districts fund the implementation of the app. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, what I wanted to do going forward was I schools have a lot on their budgets. There's a lot going on right now. Granted, we can help them apply for ESSER funds. This totally qualifies for ESSER funds for multiple years. However, there's all this grant money out there. There are all these people that want to help out the educational environment. And so we were fortunate to get in contact with um, this wonderful group called Azimuth that are grant writers who have gone ahead and they find the grants and then we submit them. They help us write them. And without that, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want this to be a burden on the schools. My last hurrah in life is this is this project. And it's for me giving back. I think that every student should have the help they need. I think we need to help the schools. And my I actually have a 501c3 called Wellness Responder. And through that, if people want to donate, or we get grant money for scholarships for schools, and then if schools want to contact us and say, hey, you know, we'd really like this to come? Where where are we? What can you do to help us? I'm all about that. My goal would be for it to be free to all schools. To get it into every school. Absolutely. It's about the student. That's, that's what it's about. That's really, that's really terrific. And I applaud your goal. So Lisa and Barb, this has been a wonderful conversation. Taking a an academic program of applied research um, uh, and applying it to a real world problem and then you moving forward and founding a company that's moving forward successfully. I think this has just been a terrific story. And I wanna thank you both again for joining me to share your story about how this has happened and your both of your journey through this this process. And Barb, I just love to hear how successful your, your work is becoming. Your stories really illustrate how Albright's amazing faculty and our academic programs help our students to do work that matters, meaningful work that improves lives and makes a difference in our world. So Lisa, I thank you for that um, guidance as a faculty member. And Barb, thank you for sharing your story with us. I also want to thank each of you, our listeners, for your interest in what's going on at Albright College. To learn more about us, visit our website at albright.edu. I hope you will join me next time for our next episode of Albright Out Loud to hear inspiring stories of the people at Albright College.